Hello and welcome to episode 54 of Pixel Sift. We're back from our trip to Paxos and we're pretty pretty much recovered. I don't know, I'm still feeling a little bit tired. So it was a big weekend. Action packed. Tired. I know. Hey, I made a video last week. I know, you did. You were very uh, very industrious as everyone else was taking a bit of a break. <laughs> it's just me and my main man, Mitch. Uh, we're going to be talking to... Some of our great guests that we have on today, though, uh, guys, we are joined by Tom Booker and Lincoln Flintoft uh, from Sleepyhead Studios. Guys, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Guys, we're yeah, going to be talking be. talking a little bit about your game, uh, which is Barking Irons, a little bit later in the show. But what else have we got on the list for today, Mitch? Yeah, we'll also take a look at Facebook's latest push into the game delivery scene with Facebook Game Room. And lastly, we'll be trying to figure out why people are still talking about the premium that we pay for games in Australia. Is it a thing? Is it something that we're still worried about? Or has this kind of gone by the wayside? I'm worried about it. Well, we'll have a discussion <laughs> about that coming up later <laughs> in the show. Right now, though, let's it just... sucks. <laughs> Hold on to it, Mitch. <laughs> keep, you, keep it inside. Let's just jump right into it. Pixel Sift. <laughs> Pixel Sift. No, seriously, Pixel Sift. <laughs> no, seriously. Pixel Sift. Yeah, so Facebook boasts a large collection of... You like that one? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I really like that. Right. Yeah, you could tell we both really worked a lot. Really well, we worked very one. hard on that one. Yeah. Um, you can hear by our dulcet tones that that's probably not yeah. our voice there. Uh, Mitch, you're going to tell us a little bit about Facebook. Yeah, so... People they have... might not have heard of it. What is Facebook? <laughs> Facebook is a social networking services that a lot of people use. I'm trying to get myself off it, Small though. upstart, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they have a lot of games on there that people like to play, like Farmville and Candy Crush Soda Saga. But there is no doubt that a lot of people, there are a lot of people playing these games. With the but with the acquisition of Oculus Rift back in 2014 and the recent partnership between Unity, one of the most popular, one of the most common game development tools out there, it looks like Facebook is looking to make some waves. So the big thing that they've done this week, uh, well, in the last couple of weeks, is they've just announced that they are now having this platform called the Facebook Game Room, which is a platform that looks similar to Steam. It's a desktop application, so where you can have a whole bunch of sort of casual games powered by Facebook. Um, Facebook and games have always been a big thing. There's always, you know, games like Candy Crush and uh, Farmville. That um, mafia thing was popular. Basically became a thing because of Facebook. Um, so the, them making a move into this sort of space is obviously not you know, too, too foreign. Um, but it, it definitely seems like it's something that's going to be targeted at a, at a different sort of audience than your people who might be installing Steam on their computers. Um, there's definitely a focus on casual games. Now, Lincoln and Tom, you guys have make a, a game that is uh, designed for people to jump in and jump out. Uh, could be described as a casual style game. What do you think about Facebook making more of a push into this sort of area? Well, they're so huge. I, I think that the push itself is good in a way. Like any new competitors is always sort of a, a good thing for people to get their yeah. games out there. It makes a lot of sense for Facebook to be doing something like this um, with those games that like, you know, for me and a lot of people I know um, don't really touch those games, um, making it more accessible in any way is good. And also just getting those games. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just getting those games out there for even more people. So it's pretty interesting. 
I think the really interesting thing about it is that there are people out there, you know, there's always these big reports that they do. IGEA does one in Australia, um, the ESA, the electronic um, something, the guys who run E3 basically, uh, run a big mm-hmm. report every year that say that gaming is something that a huge proportion of the population of the world do. It's something that everyone does. But a lot of people don't kind of classify themselves as a gamer because they are playing games that are more like your Farmville's on on mobile or maybe they're playing mobile games as well where they are you know just jump in and out while they're waiting for the bus or while they're you know uh, just sitting around for five minutes having a bit of a bit of a break um do you think that there is a bit of a when we start talking about games in a conversation about games do you think there is that gap between people who are sort of see themselves as gamers versus people who are playing these sort of these casual games yeah, definitely. Like the these uh, the Facebook style ones are very mobile as well. Like you do get all those Candy Crush and all those sort of ones, and it's sort of a browser version too. Yeah, it's like it's a big audience that they've got here, and yeah, they're on the same they're on the same scale as us as, as well. Not you know us as in uh, mobile developers and mobile games. You know they're not too indifferent. Um, it's just playing on. You know, like Farmville, you could find something like that on phone as well. So, yeah, um, yeah. they'd probably still say it's it's it is very it is casual, and I think there is like the, there's a bit of a divide there. But like this will probably bridge a bit of that gap. Has there been much talk amongst developers, like around the community, about about this? Is this is this something you're planning to capitalize on? This is the first I've I've heard of it at least. Um, Great, like I mean, specifically the Facebook. <laughs> yeah, well, like <laughs> yeah. I mean, often in all the sort of dev pages and stuff, there'll be news about what Unity's doing, about what each sort of person's doing. But Unity being one of the sort of big ones, it's funny that this is sort of I don't know flown under the radar for us, I guess. Yeah, as far as like the community goes in Sydney and what we're involved in with IGDA and stuff and other developers, actually. Like very, very much so. The first we've heard of this, um, I hear it's still in beta as well. Is it? I think yeah. You can you can download and install it now, but it is sort of a sort of work in progress sort of thing. I mean, you guys, yeah. your game is is built on Unity. Um, is it something that you would be thinking of uh, jumping into? If this, um, you know, can you can you translate the touch controls from from a mobile device to playing on a screen with a keyboard and mouse? Uh, I mean, that's yeah, that's what. That's what uh, Tib did when we were testing a lot. Um, if he didn't want to play on the phone, sometimes he'd just jump on the computer and use the mouse. So we did have the capabilities to do that. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. What do you reckon, Lincoln? We have the yeah we like we have the technical capabilities to sort of put it on a computer. So with I don't know, we it would be worth looking into seeing how easy it is to for us to get games on there. And I mean, it's. That's, I've that's, I actually downloaded and installed it today, and it, mm. it's pretty full of just a wide variety of games. So it would be kind of all right place to check out as far as you wouldn't really hurt games at goes. this stage. Yeah, for bargain yeah. minds, it would. Yeah, I think it's interesting as well that there's been a lot of sort of criticism recently of Steam's handling of reviews and the way that that's kind of uh, affected developers. Um, that probably having another place where you can put your your games in front of people who are, a, you know, a different type of market might be an interesting sort of proposition as well. I think what most interesting to me will be um, whether Facebook uses this as an opportunity to 
take games which are designed for the Oculus Rift and the virtual reality stuff that they do own, which is a big part of that, and use that as a way to kind of get people to experience things like Oculus Rift through the, I guess, the Trojan horse of, of your casual game. Mm. Yeah, like, I mean, Facebook games have always sort of been there, but it's just such a mess to discover them and play them through a web browser that it seems like if they really sort of push this uh, platform, then they might have a stand a better chance of sort of getting people to play these games in the first place. Do you think that Facebook's pretty good at getting people to install apps and things on their phone by basically forcing you to do so? Do you think we're <laughs> going to be able to get people to install another app on their computer and use that to play games in, or are people still just going to live within the Facebook browser and, and stay there? Yeah, um, I think, like, comfortabil- comfortability-wise, um, people will probably stick to what they know <clears throat> for, you know, as long as they want. You know, unless unless they're really... I feel like the people who are playing, like, multiple games across Facebook um, uh, will probably find out about this and check it out and get a lot out of it. But, um, yeah, it's up to Facebook to kind of, like, re- really push that. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird. Maybe it's what they'll weird. do is they'll just say, uh, you know, you can't access your messages anymore. You just have to install this app on your computer if you want to yeah. <laughs> read your messages. They, so. yeah, they could probably get away with that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. It's going to be very interesting to see, especially, I guess, as people start cluing into this platform being available and as more people start installing it on their computers and, and, and seeing as developers kind of learn about it, I guess, if they're only finding out about it now, um, about it as another option to, to put their games out there and get in front of a different type of people. Yeah, yeah. it's really until it becomes super competitive for the developers that everyone will kind of perk their ears up. You know, like, I think people will, you know, definitely, like, port or, like, slap their game up on there as well. Like, we might do that. You know, anything to get more views at this point for us and everything because we're quite a young studio. But, yeah, it's a, but it's a it's good another, platform. another big platform that you've got to support, then maybe it might not be worth it if you have got haven't got the uh, the customer base there to support it. No, that's, yeah, that's definitely that's true. true. It will be interesting to see if people, yeah, do just port the games they have or if they start sort of coming up with ideas that will sort of support the platform itself because if it is a more casual audience we might start seeing more like more uh more casual games that are a bit more thought out i guess yeah so yeah i guess it's early days we don't really know exactly what's going to be happening with it yet it's uh we'll just have to wait and see what happens Right now, though, uh, let's uh, have a chat about uh, your game. Uh, we'll be right... This, I guess, shall we jump into that? Let's jump into that. <laughs> Surely. <laughs> Did you know Pixel Civ is available on other platforms? You can find previous episodes on iTunes, Pocket Casts, YouTube, and on the Pixel Civ website. So Tom and Lincoln from Sydney Sleepyhead Studios are joining us over the magic of the internet. Guys, you studied together. How did your team kind of come together? I think uh, Tom's best suited for that answer. He oh, right. um, so, yeah, yeah we, we all went to Quantum together. Um, we started there in the same year, me, Lincoln, Tim, and Matthew. Um, we all started the same year. Uh, me and Tim and Matthew took a little bit more time to finish it, um, finish our degree. Um, but we became friends with Lincoln in our first year. Um, when we all finished, um, we kind of just got together. We, we brought Lincoln back into the fray after he had a year off. Um, so we, 
me, Matt, and Tim went into Quantum and we did our final project together, which was what was it? It was called Hot. What, what was it called? Um, <laughs> it was called Vigilante Four Seventy Seven. Yeah, Vigilante Four Seventy Seven, which was um, I'm I'm just gonna I'm, I'm probably gonna butcher it, but it was it was a little bit like a um, Hotline Miami game, uh, top down pixel art kind of stuff, but just with multiplayer um, features, so you could have four people in on the same game. Um, kind of like a little LAN thing, and you just run around in, in buildings, environments, and just uh, shoot it up, essentially. So um, we did that during school, and it did really well. And then afterwards, we were just like, hey, I mean, there's no internships around, really, or there is, but, like, none that we're really interested in and none that offer any uh, creative freedom to what we want to do. So we decided to just, we may as well just start a team up and start the company. So, yeah, and that's how we started. And that was just after 2000, wait, 2013, was it? Or 14? Yeah. Oh, how long? I, I don't know how long we've been Time goes this. so you, fast, doesn't it? You can't it tell. does. Yeah, it really does. We're 2016 now, up. so yeah. Facebook bought it, it Oculus was, in 2014. There you go. Was <laughs> it really? pre, or, yeah. pre or after uh, after the, uh, the Oculus it purchase? It was beginning of last year, so would have been... After. Yeah, yeah, just after. So I guess what is one of the things when you're kind of leaving uni um, that, you know, you think about when you, are you talking about that there wasn't anything out there that you were kind of really interested in jumping into or, or maybe the opportunities weren't there? What do you think about when you've, you've just finished your degree? Yeah, well, when you... The f- first thing... You go like... For, uh, well, the first thing was like get get a job or put it to use. So you sort of start searching... And you hop on all the job sites. You hop. You start networking. You f- try and you try and find all the opportunities. And there, there's some out there, but there, there's not like there's not a massive amount where it's just you apply to them and you eventually get one. It's very competitive, and so yeah, you then incredibly you to, competitive. Yeah, and then you sort of have to start thinking about how do you either get into those roles or how do you like progress to that sort of point. And yeah. I guess that's kind of how we started this is it's like it would either grow into its own thing or it would at least be an exercise in developing a portfolio. Um, so that sort of becomes the next step is sort of trying to uh, bolster your skill set. So did, yeah, you, that's the, did yeah, you come into that's, it thinking be, about – sorry, guys. Um, go for it. You yeah. go. I was going to say, did you come into <laughs> um, it thinking about a game that you, you wanted to make or did you say, we're a, co- a good team, we worked together really well, let's see what we can make together? Yeah, yeah that was definitely essentially that. our mentality. <laughs> it, was, it was like, so coming out, your, your options are limited. Um, it's very competitive. So like Lincoln said, you either just like spend time getting a better skill set because our degrees um, just didn't quite reach to the requirements of, most of the other developer jobs that are out there. Um, so, yeah. So we were just like, well, we may as well fast track that and just make games for free anyway, you know, because, like, we've got Unity. We've got Photoshop or subscriptions or whatever, you know. We've got all of the tools that we need, so we may as well just do something in our spare time because that's part of, partly getting your portfolio up as well. So, yeah, and that's how we started. And as far as Barking Irons goes... Uh, trying to come up with the idea. It's all just pretty organic. We all just sat down and just brainstormed ideas of, like, games that we wanted to make. 
Is that something yeah. you wish like, that your uni degree maybe kind of gave you a bit more before you were sort of th- flung out into the world and had to do it? Did you want it to be in a, it, were you left in a position that you thought maybe were a little bit, you know, wanting? Um, well, to an extent. we all, yeah, to an extent for sure. I mean, we all did design degrees and that's really broad. It's good at getting, getting your hands on almost every aspect of like the production of a game, which is good. But, um, what it, you know, if you want to go deeper, you have to really sort out what you want to do uh, in terms of making a game, whether that's you know, you know, some the programming, art, whatever, all of that. Um, so yeah, that that uh, <laughs> um, that definitely comes into it, and and like there was only so much they could do. I yeah, I guess you know, you just it's hard making games. So um, at the end of the day you got to study more or just like start going, just get on it. So you started going with your, your game Barking Irons. Tell us a little bit about it for people who haven't had a chance to have a look at it at all. Um, <clears throat> so it's uh, Barking Irons essentially is just like a Wild West shooter gallery game. Um, maybe a little bit like Duck Hunt or something. Um, so you're west at the bottom of the screen and uh, – it's set in like wild west towns and like wild west environments it's all pixel art and um you basically pull back on in behind cover and uh yeah you pull back like a slingshot kind of mechanic and just shoot as many guys as you can and it's infinite so it's infinite and wave based so you just got to kill as many guys as you can get as many points as you can and it just gets exponentially more difficult and everything yeah it's kind of reminiscent uh the feeling i had when i was playing the game of uh the sort of uh Virtual Cop and sort of time crisisy sort of style uh, games where you have the you know the foot pedal and the and the light gun in the arcade where you have to jump out from cover and uh, make sure that you yeah. manage that sort of uh, shooting sort of aspect to it. I thought it reminded me a lot of Big Game Hunter actually. Big Game Hunter. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> nice. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Really cool. A lot of a lot of the sort of like once we sort of got onto the idea, um, it was sort of we found it had like we were making those connections with the sort of um, the arcade shooters in general. So they sort of uh, had a bit of a, maybe not a a direct influence, but then they sort of had a bit of a guiding hand in, you know, d- the further yeah. development of mechanics and such. I, but I that was definitely... One of the things about an arcade game is obviously you don't spend hours and hours and hours playing it. You basically play until you run out of money, generally, um, in my experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's usually a short time frame so you know they have that sort of repetitive gameplay loop what do you do when you're designing a game for for mobile um or for like a portable sort of jump in jump out game when to try to make that loop as fun and as uh sort of enticing to bring people back for us it was sort of a case of um making sure that you know the core mechanic just was fun so that when you do jump into it and you end it, you kind of want to come back to... There's a sense of mastery, I guess. So mm. it has that loop um, and it has that sort of beginning, middle and end and progression. But ultimately, the reason you sort of keep coming back to this loop is because it there's a, like a, there's a sense of satisfaction in like mastering the mechanics themselves as well. Yeah, I suppose that's the best thing about... Um having like an infinite kind of gameplay progression is really important to like reward the player with a higher score and like power ups and all of that kind of stuff. 
um, and also the mastery coming into it is really important as well. It can't be, you know, obviously too easy because then you'd just get over it super quickly. So, yeah, we had to do a lot of balancing and testing to make sure that that loop is like rewarding each time. You guys had, uh, I guess, your first major public uh, showing of the game at PAX Australia. What sort of uh, feedback did you get from people playing your game? Um, some of the biggest feedback, well, this was sort of positive feedback, but a lot of people felt that the shooting was fairly intuitive and even those who sort of jumped in and didn't quite get it at first, sort of it clicked really quickly. So we're kind of pretty happy that um, since the shooting mechanic is like the core uh, element of gameplay, them sort of jumping in and then saying to us, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. And then they'd sort of, they'd link it back to Time Crisis or even Angry Birds with sort of the slingshot. So that sort of feedback that people were understanding this mechanic would come up with was really good, actually. Very satisfying yeah, it, to, to get. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Since like, if people was, can just jump in. That's that's just what you want. And jump in, get it, and have fun. That's it. Boom. Like <laughs> that was all we needed. It was really good. There's a lot of jumping in, a lot of a uh, lot of booms, a lot of shooting in in your game. Uh, it's called Barking Irons. It's available on Android. It's available on iPhone as well. You guys are actually raising a bit of money at the moment for Movember. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about why you guys are doing that? Uh, well, since we like. Is it we just because you wanted chance. to rock a sweet stash and now's the op- opportune time to do so? That's you know what, a always, little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's always a bit of a that, factor. That I definitely came into it. I think I turned up one day with a mo, and then because I was just having messing around, having fun with it, um, and then we were, I was like, hey, November's coming up, we may as well do that, hey. And it's a good cause as well. It's for a very good cause. Um, yeah, and we just thought it would, uh, it's a nice thing to do. Um, and we have a responsibility. So, yeah. And so for people who want to support your campaign, they can obviously jump onto our website, um, check out the links and the notes for this episode. Uh, where's the other ways that they can support you guys? Um, uh, well, the other one is sort of spreading the word of the campaign, I guess. If you either, there's always us, we're as a team taking like donations through the Movember page. But if you know, if anyone knows people who are also doing Movember or like family, friends, it's always a, like, regardless of who you donate to, it's always going to the Movember charity. So it's a worthwhile yeah. cause of checking out if you know anyone. Um, Shout-outs. Definitely, definitely a good yeah. cause. Um, definitely something that, uh, you know. And I, and I saw I met some of you in person. I met Tom in person and, uh, r- r- you know, r- rocking the sweet stash there. Um, Tom and Lincoln, <laughs> stick around because we will um, keep talking uh, about our next topic, which is, of course, the Australia tax. But right now, let's jump into that one. Pixel Siv! It's not Pixel Siv, it's Pixel Sift. Pixel Siv! So, for as long as games have been a thing in Australia, we feel like we've been paying more for them. Despite the difference in currency values, we're still kind of slugged with a 15 to 20% price hike for all of our online purchases. Now, Major Nelson, he's the head of uh, Xbox. He's one of the big community managers there uh, in worldwide, I guess. Um, and he was addressing the crowd at PAX Australia. And he said we could be in line for some change in the system, especially in the realm of digital games. Mitch, 
you, you had a few opinions about this at the start of the show. Tell me what. Tell me how you feel. <laughs> so I, I just like I only recently started buying like like really investing in games only a couple of years ago, and I just realized that just the price discrepancy between even taking into account the like discrepancies in currency, we still were paying more. And I just I was asking everybody why, and no one could really give me a definitive answer. So do you actually know why, Johnny? Like, we actually One of the get- things that I have read is that there is a... Basically, the price digitally is pegged to the price in-store um, to make sure that the retailers who do the big launches for the games, you know, tonight you might see people lining up for the newest version of Pokemon um, to make it worthwhile for them. Because if there's an online version that is very cheap and as internet becomes quicker and quicker, um, then it doesn't do them any justice. And where do people buy consoles from if not mostly in store at the moment? So I think that's the main reason that it's always been talked about, that you don't want to decrease the price of of online games especially consoles that actually does make sense because i think a lot of eb games in australia didn't stock a particular psp model because that didn't have physical games and it couldn't it couldn't run the umds and it only did online purchases and they just said no we're not stocking this because we're not going to make any money off it so that that yeah, which is yeah. an interesting sort of thing. I mean, obviously, the Australian dollar is not at the same point it was, uh, you know, a year or two ago where we were above the American dollar, and this kind of became more of a stark sort of contrast as we see, you know, our money's worth more than theirs, and they're paying $50 or whatever per game. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a really interesting sort of conversation to say. And I wonder why people are still kind of saying this, because we do have these options now and these other avenues in which to, to get games, um, why, why this is still an issue. Do you guys, uh, Lincoln and Tom, is this something that you guys think about when you're going out and spending your hard-earned cash on, uh, on, on a new game? Absolutely. Like, <laughs> I would say I'm st- it's probably Lincoln a whole is a over- massive advocate. <laughs> yeah, well, like, it's probably still a holdover from when I was younger and you can't just go out and buy every single game you want willy-nilly because you just, you know, you're a teenager <laughs> at high school. So I've sort of held on to that mentality and it's just nothing has seemed to get better. As If anything, it seems to have gotten more annoying to try and, like, find the games and find the games that, uh, you know, at, at a reasonable price because especially buying online, it's often the same as buying physical. So you kind of wonder what the benefit is sometimes. I don't know. Like, I didn't know this was such a, this was a big issue. Like, I know we're definitely paying more in certain respects, like definitely in retail stores. I just can't walk into an EB. It just like, it just disgusts me. I will not buy a game from there (laughs) because they, they're always just like a hundred dollars for a new release. And I'm like, that's, that's so 2000 and I don't know, eight or whatever. (laughs) Um, but yeah, like when I, I play a lot of Xbox, um, and whenever I go in the online store, there's deals everywhere. Like that, it's and and it's it's way better buying games um, digitally. I've found, like, there's deals everywhere. It's like usually cheaper unless they're like very new releases and stuff. But um, yeah, I think I think it's doing okay on there. I get a lot of free games and a lot of good deals off there. It's interesting. Do you think people are still hanging on to those discs? Do you think it's something that's, you know, people used to go and have these big collections of Xbox 360 games, PlayStation games, PlayStation 1 games, all of these sort of things in their houses. Do you think that sort of thing is sort of disappearing and maybe this is kind of like the, the last remnant of before we go completely digital with the next generation? Yeah, I think people are holding on to it, that's for sure. 
um, holding onto discs and having a big, nice collection because it looks nice, but I just I don't see the point anymore. I think digital is far better, especially when I go out and buy the game. I have the disc. I put the disc in and I install it. Um, and then if you take the disc out, you're going to have to put it back in, even though you already installed it. You know, all oh, that's just in, uh, confusing and annoying for people. So, yeah, I reckon digital all the way. It is interesting that Xbox wanted to go in this direction with the Xbox One, and like mm. everyone heavily rejected it, and then now it seems yeah. like everyone is kind of leaning more toward it now. But yeah, but like in regards to the price hike, I guess one of the I know I complained about it heavily earlier, but one of the reasons why we might pay more is because our minimum wage is just higher. Yeah, and that's one of the things that yeah. I've heard of as well is that the uh, you know whenever you have a, a marketplace, basically, um, the games are priced at what people can afford. So, for example, if you you know live in America and you're in six dollars an hour, um, the game is worth approximately about the same number of hours as it's worth here in Australia versus our sort of fifteen, sixteen, eighteen dollars an hour. So, you know that kind of multiplication of of you know it's maybe five hours work in America, but it's also five hours work here in Australia. So. That is one of the arguments I've also heard about, you know, why you do price these things. You know, they do have problems as well with some markets, for example, like Russia and, uh, you know, some of the uh, European markets where the economy is not at the same level, where people have uh, been selling keys on Steam because they can buy them for dollars at a time, you know, you know, less than $10 mm. at, at, at a go, and then on sell them into other regions. And, you know, that just sort of basically diminishes the value of, of, of people's work because then no one wants to buy a game at, you know, $30, $40, $50, whatever the, the going rate is. What do you guys think about that as, as sort of game creators? Um, you know, do you think that this sort of race to the bottom on price is, is something that, you know, makes it hard to justify people paying a bit for, for your game? Well, I think that uh, pricing models, I think, need to get a bit more flexible to sort of help with the problem because at the moment it's basically... It's always, if in Australia, I guess, if a game comes out, the new price these days, I think, is about $80, $90, and it's always sort of at that price point. Like, in America, they always say a new release is $60. So it sort of becomes this thing where, since no one wants to pay top dollar, they do go to these websites that are just basically selling handfuls of keys for pennies, and then it kind of creates this weird thing where, yeah, you've got people buying dodgy copies, so then you have companies double down and start doing DRM and stuff and you end up with these weird things. But if people were a bit more flexible with their pricing and, you know, had a few different price points between zero and 60 instead of just these sort of two options, then maybe people will start, you know, paying for brand new games more frequently. Maybe um, the humble bundle, pay what you want sort of style model might be yeah. a, a good thing where they have sort of tiered levels of, of games. You know, say, for example, if you pay the minimum of, of whatever this is, you can get the game or pay a bit more if you want and you get a few bit, bits of extra stuff on top. Yeah, something mm. like that even. Just some way to encourage people to, you know, want to go out and... Because when you put two games next to each other that are both $60, people immediately start comparing the quantity and quality of the games... Um, and then you have people that are big fans of, say, shooters, which are maybe 10 hours with hundreds of hours of online, comparing them to an Uncharted game or something, which is, I don't know, 12 hours, and then you're sort of done with it. And then there becomes this big argument as to whether or not, like, what's worth it and what's not. And, yeah, it kind of ties into that where, yeah, people just 
want to pay a fair price and it it's kind of lagging behind with all the inflexibility i i think I think yeah. uh, maybe Facebook's going to come in and uh, shake up the game, um, and then there'll be a new platform for everyone to go and buy games on, and we won't be talking about this in six months because Facebook yeah. would have sold it. Thanks, Mark. Next, Farmville, next yeah. Farmville update, $60. Yeah, Farmville uh, yeah. Battlefield 1 edition. Um, guys, look, we've reached the end of our show. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, it's uh, We've been joined by Lincoln and Tom, they're from Sleepyhead Studios in Sydney. You can play their game. It's called Barking Irons. It's available now to play. You can also support them um, in their Movember cape campaign as well. Guys, it's been great. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much for having us. Uh, now, we have a website where you can find links to Movember campaigns. You can find links to uh, Barking Irons and Sleepyhead, and you can look at Tom and uh, Lincoln's face in nice little uh, isometric-y little pic- uh, pixel drawing. Not quite pixel. Yeah, simplified low poly version <laughs> pictures of your faces yeah. um, uh, that website our website is www.pixelsift.com.au uh, you can also find us on social media we're on uh, Facebook Twitter and Twitch which is all Pixelsift uh, on all of those and on YouTube which is Pixelsift AU Mitch now we have other episodes as well and we also have a bunch of PAX Australia content uh, where should people go to if they want to check out all that sort of stuff so all our old episodes can be found on our website and on iTunes and Pocket and all the PAX coverage can be found on Facebook and Twitter. And, yep, there's heaps up there. We've got over 35 videos to check out, including uh, one that's going to yeah, be going up. Yeah, we've still got more to release, haven't More we? to release. We can check out the nice uh, video we did with uh, Tom uh, from Sleepyhead Studios. So keep an eye on that one. Guys, thanks for joining us. We will see you all again this, this time next week. Oh, Scott will be back. And Scott will be back. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Lincoln. See you guys. Thanks. See ya. Thanks for having us, guys. Thank you,